new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. And look who's back in the saddle again. Danny Bailey, I cannot begin to tell you how much I have just kind of missed you. I sort of missed you a little bit, too. You are such a liar. This is getting so sappy. Seriously, if you were Pinocchio, your nose would be banging up against that glass. Come on. Come on. My sister actually wanted my name to be Pinocchio when I was I bet. a fetus. Because it was her favorite movie at the time. Yeah, there's a lot of ways I can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to hear it. Did your last girlfriend want you to be Pinocchio too? Lie to me, Danny. Lie to me. Lie to me. Lie to me. Don't tell me the truth. Lie to me. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, day two of training camp is in the books. Uh, Terry, you and I were both there today. Uh, anything stick out to you? Noticing any patterns on guys who might be in the starting lineup? I thought this might seem incidental compared to uh, the on the field work, but I thought after all the comments we were making about the crowd on the first day, to compare it to today's in a perfect. Perfect camp football. Yep, I agree. And there was about, uh, there was, yesterday, obviously, the the monitors told everybody to pack in, get close together. And so it was like half of it was empty and half of it was full. Today, everybody was spread out. I think it was about the same size crowd. It was. It was about 100 difference, maybe, in the plus today. So on that point, uh, I think they backed off a bit off the, off the pace in the second on the second day. Well, in fact, considerably. Everybody was excited yesterday. I think they were excited today, but I think everybody was excited yesterday. You weren't got, you weren't having guys chirping at each other over touchdowns. Well, the team portion of like practice that. started a lot later than it did yesterday. Yep. I actually, there was still some competitiveness and chirping. I thought, yeah, I thought that was still prevalent and, it, and it's sort of being encouraged by the coaching staff. I've seen situations and I think you have too, where it goes over the line and they have to be very careful of that. And did you see uh, Nathaniel Hackett taking handoffs from Russell Wilson? Oh, he's he did that during many camps. Yeah, he did it again today. He's that guy. I, th- I thought that might change once the real camp started. Nope, not at all. He did that stuff in Green Bay. That's just kind of who he is. He's a playful guy. He's a happy guy. He's one. He wants to be one of the guys. And you know what? He is one of the guys. But I still think they they've also I think they're showing evidence they can consider Javante Williams. The number one by far starting running back. Well, he's been the first guy on the field is the best way to put it with the starting offense. Uh, and, and I think but, that but says I, something. I guess my point would be that I think they're, they're showing signs that they are going to give him a much larger, much larger uh, share of the ball carrying duties. I don't know if it's going to be one A, one B, one and two, but he is your starter, period. At least I think he is. I don't know what the workload is going to be. I think Melvin Gordon has gotten plenty of carries 
so far. I've not, you know, tracked it, you know, where Javante Williams has gotten 65% of the carries and Melvin Gordon's gotten 35%. But with him being the first guy out on the field with the starting offense, that speaks volumes to me. I don't know, again, what the load is going to be on who's in the lineup more. I think it's going to be Javante Williams, but I'm not ready to say it's going to be 65%, 35%. I am. But okay. we'll find that out. Yeah. I also think they're showing evidence that they're doing more than just waiting for Billy Turner. I think they're grooming Calvin Anderson at some point. They're not grooming the, him. He used to be a starter. He's going to be the starter, right? No, now. he used to be a starter. They're not grooming him at all. he's going to be the starter, you're right, Jack. Um, I don't think so. I think it depends on when Billy Turner comes back as much as anything else. They can bring him back from the pup list any time. Calvin Anderson has started. If they felt he was going to be the starter, they would not have brought in Billy Turner. I think they think now he's going to be the starter. After two days? Well, no, I'm just saying that I think in the overall picture, looking at the overall picture through the through the offseason, I think they're coming in thinking that Calvin Anderson is going to be the starter. Okay. Well, we'll wait to see when Billy Turner comes back. If he doesn't come back until, I don't know, a week before the first preseason game, then we'll see. I mean, I have no idea how well Calvin Anderson is playing because at the end of the day, they're really not hitting. But I know they have high hopes for Billy Turner. They didn't bring him in for no reason. And I'll disagree with our friend Cody Rourke, who is our Broncos insider, who joined us yesterday. He will be joining us at 5 o'clock today. I don't believe for one second, despite his versatility, that he's going to be challenging for the left guard spot. He came in to be a tackle. He can play multiple positions on the offensive line. But I don't think they've made their mind up on Calvin Anderson just because you have Turner on the pup list. To me, it's a wait and see. If you feel that's the way it's going to be, then 76 is the guy. I think they're going to wait and see with that. These are my observations from today. Um, Jerry Judy, more involved in the offense today, caught a beautiful, let's call it a 30-yard pass from Wilson to start practice. Overall, though, I don't think he has really stood out. And I think when you find yourself praising someone a lot, that tells me that that guy has the need to be praised. Hackett talked about Judy today saying, I love the way he's attacked a training camp. Wilson yesterday said on Judy, he spent at least an hour in the quarterback room recently. There are certain guys that need to be patted on the ass, and there are certain guys that need to be kicked in the ass. I've been, I've, I can't say that I've been around Jerry Judy a lot because of COVID. He strikes me as the type of guy that needs to be coddled. Sorry to say it, not because I'm saying he's a diva. I'm saying he needs to be coddled and told that he's doing well more than a guy like Bill Parcells would yell at a guy. He just strikes me as that type of guy. Even in some position drills today that I saw, I didn't see, it's hard to say in position drills, the guy didn't show full effort. But if I'm being completely honest, it looked to me like at times he was going through the motions. That's just, that's just kind of how I think he is as a guy. And and that's fine. Just not full speed or? No, I, th- there, there was one moment where Cortland Sutton, I think they were off at Jugs Machines, and Cortland Sutton had his back to the Jugs Machine, mm-hmm. and he just turned around, the ball was right there in his numbers. And then he had Judy, who just kind of walked up and stood there and waited for the ball. That will be noticed, though, don't you think? They'll be pointing that out to him. Everything's on tape. No, no, it, I, think, I think it might be noticed, and I think that's why Hackett is praising him. I think that's why... 
Russell Wilson is praising him, but I'll tell you right now, I have very little doubt, at least through watching the first two days of training camp, that Corlin Sutton is Russell's version of DK Metcalf with Seattle. Mm -hmm. He is the number one guy. And right now, the safety blanket, at the very least, the number two guy in terms of looks and passes thrown to is Tim Patrick. As for the tight end position, rookie Greg Dulcich still hasn't, you know, participated in team drills. We had a conversation yesterday with Albert Okawebenam, but I'll tell you something about Eric Sauber. He do he does have some skills. I think they look at him more as a blocking tight end, but Russell Wilson, man, he has been targeting him at camp and Hackett has noticed. Well, he's also noticed to have on this team. I mean, we've thrown him in there. Um, he's strong. He's good at the point of attack in the uh, run game. And then he's done some good stuff in the pass game. And I think, you know, um, it's just about teaching those details, and he's buying into all that stuff. So I think whenever you get a guy that's a smart guy, tough guy, that, that's going to buy into what we're trying to do, you're going to see good things happen. I mean, he had a great um, – it was the one yesterday on the on the right that he, he – I, mean, he I mean, his route that he ran, I mean, it was wide open, but – the first part was what was so great, and that was just that understanding how to move a defender and find a sweet spot. So, uh, but no, he's just another guy that we want to keep him continually developing. In tight end, he's no more than that. He's played for three teams, been on practice squads two other places. He's passed through the league. But when the, when the coach goes out of his way to find a play from the previous day and mention it, he's obviously trying to make a point there. And I, I, I'm not going to try to be Sherlock Holmes here and try to figure out the. He, the exact incentive of the remarks. They clearly, I don't know whether it's trying to put light a fire under Dulcich or what. I don't know if it is. Right now, Sauber's out there and Dulcich isn't, so it really doesn't matter. But what I will tell you is, I don't think Russell Wilson looks at Sauber and says, okay, so here's your resume. You've been with three different teams. You've been on a bunch of practice squads. He's being targeted. That's the bottom line. He's being targeted. He's being thrown the ball. Period. Who's, who's, who's covering him? I mean, this is, isn't exactly a... a uh, Hot burner test. Who's covering him? In practice. The first team defenses. But they're not, it's not at game action. It's We'll find that out. Bottom line is, Eric Saubert is getting snaps with the first team, and the first team offense is playing against the first team defense. Maybe, had, maybe we much, should. How much hitting has there been? I, I, don't, I don't know why you're arguing with me over this. I'm just making an observation. He's playing with the first-team offense with Russell Wilson. Wilson's targeting him. He's catching everything thrown his way, and he's playing against the first-team defense. So then I suppose we need to discount Jerry Judy's 30-yard catch today when he was playing against the first-team defense, this is, this is all just a, this is just all an extravagant exhibition until they're actually putting on pads. I won't disagree with that. Not one bit. But at the end of the day, he's the guy who's playing with the first-team defense. With the first team offense, okay. I just I'm only called. To, his, I think he went out of his way to praise him for a purpose. He was terrific yesterday in red zone. I, I think he caught a couple of touchdown passes, and I know I understand it's practice. It's, I, it's I get training that. camp. It's practice. Well, I don't think that Hackett went out of his way to praise Saubert when everybody is seeing the same thing. This guy is being targeted. Four passes from Russell Wilson. Wilson does not have to throw him the ball. I don't think there's a mandate. Hey, Russ, let's ride with Saubert. He finds the open guy, and the guy's open, and he's being targeted. That's all I'm saying. What, what if they run the same play, and it's Dulcich there, and Russell throws him the ball? Are we saying, wow, he sure loves Dulcich? Again, Dulcich isn't on the field. Saubert is. 
He's mainly a blocking guy. Whether he's a journeyman or not, Russell Wilson does not have to throw him the ball. Okay? Now, let's let's look at a, another guy who is certainly getting snaps with the first team. I know Mike Purcell has played a lot for the Broncos on the defensive line, but he's not now. It's Sean Williams out there. And that's been two consecutive days. All I'm looking for are... Are, are not habits. I'm looking for something that is consistent. Sean Williams is out there. Mike Purcell is not. That's all. That's the only observation that I'm making. Draymond Jones is out there. We know DJ Jones is out there. Sean Williams is the guy who is out there with that first team defense. Uh, as far as right guard goes, yesterday Quinn Miners was the starter. Today it's Muti. That to me, you could make the case is going to be a position battle. Who's missing from that? Glasgow. He is playing with the second team at center. But Cushenberry has been taking every single snap. I also think the underplayed part of the camp story so far has been the outside zone blocking is the new challenge for that offense. No question. you got to be athletic. Hackett even talked about seeing it taught by Alex Gibbs, who's the master of the art. Right. And I think he coached with his dad, which would be the connection. And we all remember the zone blocking schemes heyday here. Yeah. So, so pretty soon, is anybody? Rules have changed. So is anybody going to be asking about cut blocking? I really doubt it. Don't know. All right. Coming up after the break, we talked about the defensive line. We know that uh, Williams is playing there. We know that DJ Jones is playing there, and the guy who's up for a new contract at the end of the season is playing there. Draymond Jones. I caught up with him after practice. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale arm to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend Dan McKenzie at the McKenzie Law Firm. He did my estate plan, my will, my living will, did the same thing for my wife. And I got to tell you, I feel at ease knowing that everything is taken care of just in case, God forbid, after the show, Terry's in his car and he looks at me in the street and says, you know what? I'm going to floor it. At least I know my family is taken care of. And even if you don't have a ton of money, even if you're single, it's worth talking to Dan to see how you can cover yourself specifically with a living will, which is whether you're single or not, it's irrelevant. You don't want some doctor deciding what's going to happen to you if you cannot make the decision yourself. Go with Dan McKenzie and McKenzie Law. Go to the McKenzieFirm.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. One thing I've always liked, uh, Terry, about Draymond Jones is that he plays with an attitude. 
He plays with a little bit of ass in him. He wants to be a really good player. Then again, he came from Ohio State. He came from a winning football program. And for him, he is playing for a contract. I had a chance to catch up with him after practice today. Day two of training camp feel any different than day one when there's a lot of chirping and arguing about this is a touchdown, this isn't a touchdown? Oh, no. The competitive nature is, is always there 24-7. Uh, we preach that for ourselves. We preach that amongst our units. Um, it's going to be there every single day of camp. How much does Russell Wilson make the defense better? We've been talking about how much he's going to make the offense better, but how much better does he make you guys in the defense? Well, because you're going against a Hall of Fame quarterback every day, so you get used to, like, you know, the future ones, you know, the obvious, uh, possibly Justin Herbert. I mean, in my opinion, Derek Carr, uh, Pat Mahomes, those are, like, I think, soon to be Hall of Famers. So it gets you prepared for guys like that. What I like about you is you are honest and you are candid. I know, and, and that's why I like talking to you. So the deal is, last three years, you guys weren't good enough to make the playoffs, but you come out at training camp and say, you know what, we're really going to push for the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. In some ways, was that just talk knowing you know this year is real? No, you, you really do feel that when you're in it. And then you must be, once game time becomes... No, shit goes south. So, you never can like always prepare for that. But now I feel like, I know I'm not to sound repetitive or like cliche, now I feel like we're more competitive, a little bit better. Uh, we do have a centerpiece, number three, which is super huge for us. So, we're going to see how far that takes us. You know, our goal is to win the West, but we know, obviously, we know how talented the West is. So, with Russell's energy, with Nathaniel's energy, mm-hmm. does it feel like oxygen has just been pumped into the room? Oh, uh, yeah. Those two are the spearheads for what we got going on here, uh, especially energy-wise. They bring the juice, they bring the fun, they bring the passion, the football. Uh, even on days that are long and you're tired, they're probably the main two guys that are going to be in your ear chirping, you know, just bringing that energy. You know what I'm saying? All right. You have to be human, I would think, mm-hmm. to think about next year. You're thinking about this year. I get that. Right. But is it hard at times when you're sitting by yourself to think, I am in a contract year? Mm-hmm. That's got to creep into your mind, doesn't it? Of course. I mean, you got to be an idiot not to. I mean, this is my last year. I've been here since 2019. It's crazy how much time's flown by. This is my fourth year. So I'm, I'm very focused and very attentive on what's going on around me. I have to be aware of my surroundings. You know what I'm saying? So I have to be on my P's and Q's at all times. I mean, I wouldn't say even more than the past couple of years. So I've always liked that. But it's like more like highlighted because like this is the, the make or break things for a lot of guys. And uh, the NFL career isn't long. And this is kind of like the year that. What do you mean by minding your P's and Q's? Uh, like, I'll probably buy it, be a little more, like, anal about things, you know, as much as when I was younger. You know, I'm, like, 25 now. I've been a part of the game. I've seen it all. Not all, but I've seen a lot. And uh, I kind of know what it takes a little bit. And I've seen some guys around me that have done that. So I kind of got a good feel. So I'm very, very, very particular. I'm super hard on myself, like, overly. How have you changed from your rookie season as a player but as a person? Town's always there. It's just more so confidence, believing in what I think I can do. And uh, just that mindset, being, being better in my studies. All right, I'm going to give you a nice. A lot of people have brought up what Russell Wilson can do for the entire team, not just the offense. Right. And I thought that was a very illuminating point. It was, a great, qu- it was a great question. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really a great question, a great, Eric. It was a great question. But, but when he brought up Justin Herbert, Carr, and Mahomes as the guys they're seeing six times a year. Right. And then uh, being kind of... Uh, braced for facing them in practice by working against Russell Wilson every day. 
I thought that was very interesting. It's also nothing wrong with using contract as a motivation. And I think that he seems to have the right attitude about using that as a positive and not being set up for a bitter experience. Right. And uh, he's making $30 million over three years now, and he's he's got a nice contract coming up. But he has to be better than he was last year. He kind of plateaued after his second year. Right. And he, he needs to be better. And I think he, he, he wasn't awful. He just flattened out. He's, he needs to show he's a better player than that than than what he was last year. He needs to get in. He needs to get into double digits and sacks, for example. No, not not at his position. Not not as a three. Uh, not as a three four defensive end. He wants to be. He's talked about that himself. He wants right. to get into double digits. Well, of course he sacks. wants to. I'm sure he'd like to get into triple digits too. But you know as well as anyone. We can, talked about it. it's not the sole evaluation. Well, it's funny. He and I had that conversation. Uh, when I turned off the microphone. Oh, okay. And he said to me, and he's right, because then I brought up Von Miller. I said, sacks are very overrated. And I do believe that. And the reason why I say sacks are overrated is, well, yes, it is a metric, and you can actually see it on a, on a box score, and you can actually see it on the field. If you told me, if you told me, I can have a guy who has 12 sacks, and eight pressures an entire season, or a guy who has five sacks and 25 quarterback pressures, I'll take the second guy. Mm -hmm. Because those pressures force interceptions, mistakes, third and longs. That's something that you really don't see on a stat sheet. Honestly, uh, with all the uh, technological innovation today and the statistical wherewithal out there, I've always felt like there should be a way to, to rate a sack. You, you, it goes down after three seconds. Some kind of coefficient is involved. Right. Because there are a lot of guys who cherry pick with sacks. If the quarterback stands there and holds the ball for, I said, 17 seconds the other day, but that never happened. Here's some, you know what I mean. I do. Here's something interesting, and I'm only looking at numbers here. Okay? I'm only looking at numbers here. I was a huge fan of Malik Jackson. You're not anymore? I still am. And uh, he and I had a really good relationship. He and I would talk on the phone. Remember when that story came out, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, that uh, he wanted like a six-year, $90 million mm -hmm. deal? Yeah. He, well, I'm the one who put it out there. And you know how I know that? He, I, he told me. And people That's were, a pretty good source. Well, I know. My point is people were saying on Twitter back to me, this guy is crazy. He will never get it. Well, guess what he got? I believe that deal. I don't know if it was six years, 90, whatever it was, but it was some outrageous number. But that's exactly what he got. The reason why I'm bringing up Malik Jackson is this. If we're being completely honest, in 2015, he had 45 total tackles, five sacks, and seven passes defended. He played with a much better defense where they could get pressure all over the place on that 2015 team, whether it was Vaughn, DeMarcus Ware, uh, Derek Wolf, They had a secondary that would blitz, yada, yada, yada. Draymond Jones's numbers are actually quite similar. Last year, 31 tackles. His tackles were down. 31 tackles, five and a half sacks. Year before, though, he only played in 13 games. He had 41 tackles and six and a half sacks pretty much what Malik has done, and that was good for a huge deal. He's not the type of guy in this type of offense. When we talk about the Broncos' edge rushers and how they're going to do, 
we're talking about Benito. We're talking about Chubb and Gregory and Reed. You're not going to get a ton of sacks in a 3-4 playing defensive end. That's why Derek Wolf never had a ton of sacks. That's why Malik Jackson never had a ton of sacks, because they played a 3-4. And, oh, by the way, expect big news out of Derek Wolf tomorrow. I can guess what that might be. You can guess. I'm not going to tell you. If you'd like to guess, I'll just remain silent. What would you like to guess? Retires. I'm just going to remain silent. And I love Derek Wolf. I just love Derek Wolf. But his numbers talking about Draymond Jones are somewhat similar to Malik Jackson. But the difference is he doesn't have the same help. Meaning guys would not key on Malik Jackson as much as they would to Marcus Ware and Von Miller and Derek Wolf. When you look at when you look at the Broncos outside edge rushers, yeah. okay, and you look at the other guys on the defensive line, no one was really keying on Sylvester Williams back in 2015. He was just there to tie up a couple of blockers. But on the other end, he had a really good guy in Derek Wolf. Mm-hmm. Point is, Malik Jackson had more opportunities. When you look at this defense, while the front seven is good, it's not as good as that. Guys are going to offenses are going to key on Draymond Jones more. That's probably one reason why his numbers are down. Well, what makes sense for him is like a four-year, $56 million contract if he has a good year. Yeah, I I wouldn't even guess at the numbers, but I could tell you right now, he's a smart guy. He was an academic All-American. He he works hard. He's a smart guy, and he knows he wants to get paid. I'm sure he would love to stay here. But then again, you have Russell Wilson up for a new contract. Bradley Shubb is up for a new contract. And George Payton said a couple days ago, we want Bradley here for a long time. But remember, they don't have a first-round pick next year. They don't have a second-round pick next year. At least I don't believe they do. Point is, yeah, you might be able to get a guy in the third round or the fourth round. I think Malik Jackson was a fifth-round pick. Mm -hmm. Okay, You can find guys. But at the end of the day, you have a better chance of getting a premier pass rusher, a premier defensive lineman in the first and second round. So if they do wind up losing Draymond Jones, how do they fill his slot? Coming up after the break, we had a conversation about Kyler Murray and the clause in his contract. Well, today he was so ticked off about it, he held an unannounced press conference to talk about the fact that there is a clause in his contract that says he has to study four hours a week. We'll let you know what Murray said next. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Harmazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale loan to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99, testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. Very rarely do players 
want to run up to the microphone and address the media, specifically quarterbacks who are basically required to talk to the media at least once a week during the season. With that, Kyler Murray held an unscheduled news conference today to defend himself against the backlash that he's received from the independent study clause that was added to his contract in which he now has to watch at least four hours of film a week. You and I talked about this a couple of days ago. He'd be watching that on his iPad, and the Cardinals could track that to see, is he fulfilling those four hours? Murray spoke for about 11 minutes, saying he felt it was necessary to explain himself. He said it was, quote, disrespectful that outsiders thought he would reach the level that he has, a starting quarterback in the NFL, without being a student of the game, and added, this is a joke. Murray talked about outsiders being disrespectful. Why is he upset with anybody talking about it? He should be upset with the person who leaked the story. Inside the Cardinals front office? It almost has to be. I would think that it is somebody who is in the organization who is familiar with the contracts. I can promise you uh, it would not be his agent. Well, it could be in a, quote, opposing unquote agent to who got word of it within the uh within the uh, grapevine in the league that'd be the only other possibility in my mind well e- either way i'm guessing that's a stretch maybe the janitor was sitting outside the door <laughs> when the conversation was happening it could have been that's the an janitor. nfl source by the way right point is i'm guessing it was somebody inside the organization uh and i'm guessing it was probably done not necessarily to embarrass him, but to light a fire under him. Well, obviously, this has gone sideways with the team he has just signed a long-term deal with. He's getting $46 million a year, and ha- over half of it is guaranteed. I mean, that, that's stunning. And why you would give a guy a contract like that if you have so little faith in him to do such things as the duties of a quarterback, which is to watch film. I find that completely contradictory, and it kind of confuses me. Because well, I'm sort of on Kyler Murray's side on this. I thought that really was disrespectful. And it, it really isn't an incentive if you're trying to embarrass a guy. I agree with you. It never should have been released. It's kind of like releasing somebody's Wonderlick score. Yeah. All it's going to do is embarrass the guy. I'm guessing this person wanted it out there to let everybody know, yeah, we gave him the money, <clears throat> but he needs to step up his game. That's what he needs to do. Now, to your point, and you and I talked about this a couple of days ago when the story came out. What's your other option? Not sign him and then start all over again? Mm-hmm. You're already halfway down the road with a guy who is incredibly talented, right? No question. Now, if you could just match the work ethic with the talent, then you might really have something. I'm not suggesting that this guy doesn't work out on the field. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't want to win. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't go into the weight room. But a lot of people who just don't get it don't understand the difference between what they perceive as working hard with working smart. How about the point that Kyler Murray made kind of in a backhanded fashion? Is that there is a there is a factor in football of guys who who don't really have to uh, crunch numbers in their head or remember little things from the tape or do all that that, that they have such an ability to improvise and to uh, to be, be impromptu on the field that that's almost overkill looking at eighteen hours of tape a week. 
Well, Pat McAfee, who hosts the Pat McAfee Show, uh, used to be a punter for the Colts, <clears throat> said on his show the other day that Peyton Manning used to watch 20 hours a week. And he is nowhere near as talented from the neck down as Kyler Murray. From the neck up, there's no there's no comparison. But is there the amount of film you watch? I'm just and I'm this is a rhetorical question, so don't jump on me for reaching a conclusion. Come on, Terry. Because I'm not. I'm just wondering if if at some point you cross a Rubicon, you cross a line during the week where you've you've seen all the film you need to see, you've learned everything you need to know. But you just keep watching out of habit or show at some point. I'm not sure it's necessary to watch as much film as some of those guys do. But it also is it's a case of, yeah, you need to plant a foot in the behind of some other guys to watch more there. I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't know how much film a Joe Montana watched, although I'm guessing a Bill Walsh demanded that he did. With that, when you look at a guy like Lawrence Taylor, now remember, oh, yeah. he's a pass rusher. Yeah. He had so much crazy physical skill that maybe he didn't watch a lot. But I just watched a documentary on on Mike Singletary, and he was a slave to the film room because Buddy Ryan's defense was so difficult to run. If you have the opportunity to add that arrow into your quiver, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you take advantage of it? Well, I'll also tell you that years ago I did a sporting news cover story on Richard Dent and I spent the week with him and Ken Rutgers, the tackle he faced twice a year for several years from the Packers. And Dent was just, Dent was just uh, methodical about studying film at defensive end, a pass rush. But quarterback's a totally different position. Yeah, no question. Because the ball is in your hand every single snap you're on offense. For a defensive end, if you have great physical moves, you can get around guys. Mm-hmm. But why not check out what a guy's tendencies are? See, that's why I always look at certain guys and say, how much better could they have been? How much better could they have been? If they didn't, instead of going out at night and chasing women and drinking, what if they were at home, maybe studying film more? I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with going out and wanting to you know, do that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you truly want to be the best at what you do, there are a lot of different facets to do it. Kyler Murray told the New York Times, I can just walk on the field and see it. I got news for you, Kyler. You're wrong at the highest of levels. Yes, you could do it at your level. I think there's something to that. Yes, you could do it at your level. But if you have any delusions of wanting to reach, do you want to be a really good quarterback or do you want to be a great quarterback? That's the question I would ask him. And if his answer is... If his answer is, I want to be a great quarterback, I would look at him and say, then you're not maximizing your potential with all the resources you have in front of you. If you want to be really good, that's fine. There are a lot of really good quarterbacks. But if you want to go down as one of the greatest of all time, then you need to take advantage of every opportunity you have to be better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be really good. And that's what Kyler Murray is. But if he has any thoughts about wanting to be one of the greatest of all time the way he's doing it and i say this sitting at a table across from you he's wrong period end of conversation mic drop if you're not trying to maximize your potential every day you will never reach that potential you're you might be better than most who reach their potential every day 
But if you're not trying and doing everything you can to be great, you're not going to be. I'm just going to say this one more time. I think if the Cardinals don't have the faith in him to actually leave it up to him and to, to appeal to his pride, try to, I realize they've probably done this in the past. Yeah. Tried to co- coerce him into watching more film. In fact, I know he I know he has. Well, that's what the 49ers do with Colin Kaepernick. It was the same exact thing. I told you the story. That but, he didn't watch enough film. But if they have to challenge Kyle Murray to do it and while they're paying him, why would you pay him 230 million because your other option is starting all over again what would you rather do live with this or start all over again and go to the draft and try and hit the jackpot remember it was the first overall pick in the draft so what would you rather do i to me they they were halfway home with a guy they know is talented maybe his work ethic watching film diagnosing defenses will match that one day maybe the light will go on in his head but to start all over again you without a quarterback you're nothing you're not. You're not making the and I, and I mean you're nothing. And unless you're talking about a team that every once in a while has a historic defense and can win a Super Bowl that way. But the second highest paid quarterback in the league is playing for a team that feels as if he's grossly deficient in in well let's face it uh, the studying. So department. so you're Jerry Fry. What do you do? Let him walk? Probably I don't know. I, no I, no, well tell me. You're well, sitting right I, he's here. not sitting well well, what are you what are you doing? Are you letting him walk? Are you saying I would challenge him? I would challenge. Well, they him. have, they have, and already. I would, but I would not put it in the contract. I would say we. Oh, put, that's the last thing. We've put want. all this faith in you. We need to challenge you to be better. We're doing this out of trust. We're doing this because we believe you. Will, oh, you, you trust? Will do you this. trust that kid? Yes, you do. You, you appeal to his pride. You you. Appeal to his sense of trust. You he's challenge a, him. He's a kid. You can't pay him $230 million without expressing faith. In so him. what you would do is, if I'm hearing you correctly, you would give him the contract and not put the clause in there because Correct. you trust him? Correct. Well, you, you'd be fired as fast as I can say you're fired. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Got to have to. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Some surprising stats for all 32 NFL teams were listed. We'll talk about what it was for the Broncos. Also, a lot of movement in the AFC West, a lot of new faces on the four teams. Another new one signed today, and uh, something pretty special going to be going on at Coors Field in October. Not playoffs. We'll talk about that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, mylifesports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, Danny, we have some breaking news. And this is coming from Brittany Boland, the Broncos Senior Vice President of Strategy. She's going to be stepping away from the organization. Not really a surprise as the ownership change officially happened on August 9th. She said, I recently made the decision to step down from my position at the Broncos during my time... <clears throat> 
Excuse me. I thoroughly enjoyed working in the team's front office and feel fortunate to have worked alongside such a talented and supportive group of people. I wish the Walton Penner family organization all the best as they embark on the next chapter of this organization's storied history. If she'd stayed around, it would have been extraneous and awkward. She's a very talented girl. Woman, excuse me. She's a very talented woman. And honestly, if they would have kept her on, I think she probably would have been an asset. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing she feels uncomfortable. And there's a part of me that feels badly for her because she was the one in line. That's what Joe Ellis wanted and the trust wanted for her to take over. I also feel very badly for Beth Bolin as well, who wanted to be the owner of the team. But at the end of the day, and this is what somebody who's callous would say, well, they're going to be cashing a big check and they should be fine. At the end of the day, it is the end of an era. They grew up with their dad owning this organization. They were both part of the organization. And now they're neither of them are going to be a part of it. The one who's really excited is Johnny Boland because now he can go on another drug binge. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, a shocking stat for all 32 NFL teams by Aaron Schatz of ESPN for the Denver Broncos. He has a bunch of stats in there. I'll let you maybe decide which one's the shocking one. The first Um, one. They were third in points allowed in 2021 due to a slowest pace offense in the NFL. They were 20th in yards allowed per drive. So the points allowed had less to do with how good the defense was and more to do with how slow the offense was. Denver faced a league low 162 opponent possessions and had opponent average starting field position of the 26 yard line, second best in the league. Do you expect the Broncos to have a significantly faster paced offense with Hackett and Wilson, and will that have a negative impact on the defense? I don't think that'll have a negative impact. Well, the answer is the answer is yes. I don't think it's going to have a negative impact on the defense, though, because of the, the I mean, the offense because of the pace. As Nathaniel Hackett said, "I'll go as fast as Russell Wilson wants to go." Okay. Now, when we talk about pace, if you're looking at the 1991, 92, 93, 94 Buffalo Bills, where they were in the K-Gun offense. Or the USFL teams that ran that offense. Yeah. When you're looking, or the Eric Coriel teams of the 1980s, where they throw, 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 and very quickly you can have a three and out, that's one thing. Having a fast pace doesn't mean throwing the ball all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a run-and-shoot offense that Mouse Davis invented where their defense was on the field a lot, even though that offense at times would score a lot of points. You can have pace and still control the ball. It's like in basketball when uh, if you just walk the ball up the floor and hold it for 23 seconds before shooting, you're statistically going to be a good defensive team. Right. Look at Loyola Marymount. 
what, what, what it was it Paul Westo was the head yeah. coach who wanted them to shoot the ball every 12 seconds the team with Hank Gathers and yeah. Bill Kimball right want them to shoot the ball like every 12 seconds you know football is a complimentary game where the offense has to help the defense and vice versa and then you throw in special teams but when you're throwing the ball all the time or you're going no huddle and mistakes happen and they eventually will your defense is going to be on the field for a very long time that was mountain high appliance just in case you missed it uh when you're making a purchase it's a big purchase you're making a big investment but at mountain high appliance you can try out the appliances before you buy them you can't do that at the big box stores now if you want to redesign your entire kitchen you want something to fit your budget work with people who can help you get what you want don't just walk in and say i want this or talk to somebody who's, I don't know, 25 years old, and they don't have a lot of experience. And they really don't know the difference. They're like, well, this might be good for you. Work with people who've worked there for decades, who can really get you what you want. That is Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, our Broncos insider from MileHighSports.com, Cody Rourke, joins us next to talk about day two of training camp. And what are his thoughts on Jerry Judy? Has Judy looked really good? Maybe not as good? Does right now he look like the number three option? I know it's only two days in. We'll talk about it next. So frustrated. 